Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome as the pro-lifers at Newsbusters mark the first March for Life Day after Roe versus Wade was struck down. Last year at this time, there was a lot of hope for this, but zero certainty. The media covered that March for Life when they've always preferred to pretend this thing didn't exist. But as they might say, the Dobbs decision was in utero, so they just had to do it. So then today they marched again, and because as we know, repealing Roe is a partial victory, it sends it back to the state. So if you think abortion is always murder, well, everybody knows what abortion is and what abortion does, but some people prefer to negotiate around that. Anyway, at Newsbusters, we are on the abortion issue today and every day, including Today, the New York Times projecting, as usual, that the abortion issue is going to hurt the Republicans again in the new cycle. Now, you can say Democrats strongly turned out in 2022 in their outrage over the idea that now they can't kill babies at any time in every state. Well, you can always count on us to analyze our pro-abortion media. They, they've never been in the middle on this issue. So make sure you check out the latest. Now, we'd like to turn to what's going on on the cable news in the morning. And one of our experts on that is from North Carolina, Mark Finkelstein, who's almost an original newsbuster going back to our first year as a, well, back then they called it a weblog. They didn't just even call it a blog. I think they were still calling it a weblog in 2005. Welcome, Mark. Uh, great to be with you again, Tim. Hi. So... We uh, one of the things that you've done for many years is analyze the weirdness that is Morning Joe, and it was something this morning. And uh, I thought I was in a time warp. I they, I don't know if Joe can really seem to make up his mind because you've chronicled saying fascist like twenty seven times in in one hour, and and you know he's a horrible threat, and then. When it's 2024 and they're talking about 2024, today's all like, oh, nobody's going to beat Trump. That's a meat grinder. Ron DeSantis should just skip. What is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you you make a very good point. He, Joe seems a little bit schizo about Trump. Of course, going back to when Trump first was getting into the race back in 2015, you know, Joe was his great buddy and Joe and Mika would hang out at Mar-a-Lago and Joe would apparently even advise him, you know, on his campaign. And then at some point, Joe turned on uh, on Trump, and as you say, now nowadays Joe normally can't mention Trump without mention, you know, without calling him a fascist in the same uh, sentence. And also, you know, the, the, uh, a liberal media kick lately has been to talk about how the walls are closing in mm -hmm. on Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, so. How, how is it possible that now, today, Joe goes from the walls are closing in on this fascist to referring to Trump as the champ in the boxing ring and calling uh, Ron DeSantis the pretender? And Joe saying, I don't see anybody who can step into the ring and get in Trump's face. I mean, as you, you know, you use the word uh, uh, juggernaut. You say, you know, since when does Joe now see Trump as a juggernaut? What's happened? Yeah, it's, it, it is weird that you would say the walls are closing in and maybe we'll finally send him to prison, but he's still the uh, pick to click in 24. I mean, yeah, you got to pick one. Uh, you know, this is, uh, 
this to me is why this is a, just a terrible TV show because he can't stay consistent. You just you wake up every day and say, well, where is he going to land today? I can't predict. I can't gamble. Uh, you just don't know. But I mean, as you you've done a lot of these where he sort of comes unglued. He didn't do that today. Right. He didn't pound the table as sometimes he does and start screaming at the camera. And, you know, Mika has to try to calm him down. Uh, she did a couple of years ago, she did send him off for a couple of weeks of, you know, some sort of spiritual healing and therapy because he had <laughs> lost it a few times. But, you know, uh, my theory is this. I take it as a given that Joe Scarborough essentially hates Donald Trump and has a vendetta against him that dates back to the famous tweeting thing where uh, Trump accused uh, Joe and Mika of begging him to come to Mar-a-Lago, I think around New Year's Eve. And he claimed that uh, Mika uh, had the after effects of a facelift. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he said no and this sort of thing. And and also, you know, to be fair, uh, Trump did in fairly unequivocal terms accuse uh, Joe of responsibility in the death of uh, one of Joe's interns. Uh, yeah, so when he was think, a member of Congress. Yeah, when he was a member of Congress. So I think Joe absolutely, definitely still has it in for Trump 100%. So if he's saying uh, complimentary things about Trump being the champ today, I think we have to think about why he might be doing that. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with any newfound respect that Joe has you know, lately discovered for Trump. But I think Joe is trying to stir the Republican you know, pot and essentially weaken Ron DeSantis. I think Joe and the rest of the liberal media and the Democrats would probably, in, in fact, almost surely like to see Trump be the candidate in, in 2024. And so if they can build him up and at the same time suggest to potential DeSantis supporters that DeSantis is a pretender, that DeSantis, as uh, Joe said and Al Sharpton said, can't take a punch from Trump, and that, in fact, you know, as, as we wrote about this morning, that Joe essentially said that DeSantis is the 2022 or 2024 version of Jeb Bush yeah. back in 2015, who everybody thought was going to be a powerhouse and then faded very quickly. Well, hey, Mark, let's run a clip of this. This is uh, Al Sharpton doing his name dropping, uh, talking about his time with Muhammad Ali. And then, yeah, Scarborough, I don't know, somehow turns Trump into Rocky Balboa. Let's listen. And I'll tell you an Ali story. I was at his training camp once in Deer Lake, and I, I went into the, uh, he had different cabins for different purposes, and they had one cabin where people would train, and I went into the training cabin, and this guy looked terrific. He was sparring, and he was making all the right moves, and Ali came in slowly and was standing behind me, and when I noticed he was behind me, I said, champ, this guy's got it. This guy's gonna be big. He looked at me, he said, Sharpton, he said, he could throw a great punch. Let's see if he can take a punch. And a minute later, the guy was flat on his back. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying about DeSantis. We see DeSantis throwing a lot of punches in Florida. When he gets on that big stage, particularly against Donald Trump, let's see if he can take a real punch. I actually sometimes sports analogies don't fit tightly. I've got to say here, it fits perfectly. You get two boxers in a ring, you find out really quickly who the champ is and who the pretender is. Mm. You get two people up on a debate stage and one starts sweating profusely 
like you know immediately who the pretender is and who the champ is. And the champ goes in, mocks him for sweating, and then jabs, jabs, jabs. He sweats a little bit more. And then he just goes in for the kill. I was shocked that he was going to compare DeSantis to Jeb Bush. I don't think there's anything about the way DeSantis has been governor that's Jeb Bush-like. I mean, certainly not the way he's he's sort of taken on business. That's what's weird about this take where they're like, oh, all the business elites love DeSantis? Really? Yeah, probably not the Disney elites. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, you know, probably on a different day, uh, Scarborough would say, well, he's destroyed his reputation with the Chamber of Commerce. Well, yeah. the Chamber of Commerce in this decade does not represent business. It certainly doesn't represent anything inside the Republican Party. You know, you can see how Mark Levin sort of drops bombs on the Chamber of Commerce, but it's just, it's, it's just fascinating that they're sitting there going, Trump put them through the meat grinder in 2016. DeSantis should step aside. Nikki Haley should step aside. They should all skip. And you're just like, what? Why on earth is Joe Scarborough clearing the field or trying to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and again, you know, you say, you, what are the parallels between Jeb Bush and Ron DeSantis? I mean, you know, going back to the boxing analogy, in fact, it's DeSantis who's shown himself to be truly pugilistic. Yeah. He's gone up against the COVID, you know, fanatics. He's gone up against the CRT fanatics, the woke fanatics, uh, the, the immigration issue. I mean, so he, he's shown himself to be a truly tough guy. I mean, some people might say Donald Trump talked very tough. Ron DeSantis is actually acting tough and carrying out on these conservative principles. Yeah, you made this point this week also. That the other Scarborough joke was that uh, Trump had responded to him by saying, uh, we'll take care of that or whatever. And Scarborough says, sounds like a mob hit. Yeah, yeah, right. It, it's a yeah, good point. I, you know, it's it, Just a couple of days ago, in other words, Scarborough is accusing Trump of essentially threatening to have Ron DeSantis whacked, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. or, you know, whatever. But Use you pointed out Trump's usual way to handle this is to come up with a nickname for you. Yeah, a nickname, I mean, a mean nickname or even a funny nickname. That's, you know, that's not exactly the same as rubbing someone out. But so but yeah. So how did Joe turn on this dime and go from accusing Trump of being, you know, a mob hitting fascist upon whom the walls are closing in, to suddenly being the champ and seeing nobody in sight that could possibly take Trump on. He's gone from Tony Soprano to Muhammad Ali, and nobody knows why. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, is, it is truly confusing. And, uh, uh, you know, I do think, Mark, that we have this concern it, it, that, you know, the differences between the 2015-16 cycle and, and the, the forthcoming cycle and that is we've been through the Trump presidency, and that has some highlights. And then we've been through the Trump post-presidency that's got a lot of lowlights. And I think for them to somehow suggest that Trump isn't damaged by the, the January 6th thing, by the, uh, you know, and sort of what the January 6th thing showed, which was everyone around Trump was trying to tell him to try to, to, to get them to walk away and stop the violence, how did how does uh, let me ask you this? How do you think Joe Scarborough thinks Ron DeSantis or somebody isn't going to 
challenge, throw that punch at Trump on a debate stage. It's absolutely going to happen. I mean, you know, it's it's just right there. It's 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 sitting on the T stand, you know, for DeSantis and the others to to take a whack at. So yes, it's going to happen, and you know. You know what they say that the first time around is one thing. The next time it comes back as a farce. And so I don't think Trump can use the same sort of mean names playbook or, you know, insulting to these people. It's just not going to work in the same way. I mean, you know, we've discussed uh, that he, Trump has already come out with one supposedly funny or mean nickname for DeSantis. He calls mm-hmm. him the, the sanctimonious. And, uh, you know, that I think that has just fallen completely flat. I mean, people got low-energy Jeb. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, ki- that okay. was kind of funny. Yeah, please clap. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ron, you know, the sanctimonious, I don't, I don't know. I think, you know, he he's lost a step or two. He's lost his fastball, perhaps, when it comes to mean names. Yeah, I think probably what offends Trump is that, yeah, he feels like DeSantis has taken all of his tactics, Right. He thinks, oh, DeSantis is pushing all the culture war buttons like I do. And he sort of resents that the guy is, I don't know, somehow um, he's seen as I mean, he is seen as Trump with more smarts. And that's got to make Trump upset. But let's not forget, I got to think, Mark, that uh, obviously Scarborough in all of this talk about how DeSantis shouldn't run. um, These two don't get along either. You 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 got to know that Joe Scarborough, you know, congressman from Florida, uh, doesn't like these other guys. And I think, I think, if we're going to psychoanalyze people, I think Joe Scarborough's upset that he never really became that governor or senator or presidential contender figure. Uh, now, one could argue that, yes, being a longtime MSNBC talker, might have more power and influence than a mere member of a 435 member of House of Representatives. But I, I still think, you know, what was it when back in the day when they, Bloomberg was going to run or something and they were entertaining the idea that Scarborough could be the vice president? Right. I, he liked that. Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, the old thing about, uh, of course, Joe was a congressman, not a senator, but they say every time a senator looks in the mirror, you know, he sees a, a future president. And yeah. I think, I, I think undoubtedly, Scarborough did harbor some of those grand ambitions. Yeah. Let's turn now to uh, our, our fashion shoot. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the moment of the week where uh, I had CNN this morning on yesterday. I'm actually doing more of this, seeing cable news at six in the six o'clock hour. And I caught this. Uh, Don Lemon was wearing a, a, what he calls a hooded sweater. But what looked like to anybody else, like a Rocky Balboa uh, hooded sweatshirt. And then he had like a suit coat over it. And I, uh, so I took a screenshot of this thing and I put it on Twitter and I had just a massive engagement day with everybody was copying it and quote tweeting it and, and joking about it. And a lot of people had this take, wow, he's just does not care anymore, or he he may not last long at CNN. It's a cry for help. He's let it go. I didn't think that. I thought he was just trying to be like, oh, look at me. I'm a fashion plate. But then Stephen Colbert got involved in it, and he was brutal. Let's listen to this. And they actually played this on CNN this morning. All right, this morning it is time for... If you were watching yesterday, a key outfit alert. The results are in. They might be a little mixed. 
Don's sweatshirt suit debut that he wore yesterday morning. This is what Stephen Colbert had to say about it. You know I love me a Don Lemon. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, Don's uh, a dear, dear friend, uh, Soul Cycle Emergency Contact. And <laughs> I, uh, of course, I always watch the, the CNN, what's it called? Mm. CNN This Morning. CTM, we call it. CNN This Morning. And I was watching This Morning, and I was a little taken aback because I didn't, I didn't expect uh, this. Could you show what he was wearing? There you go. Oh. Um, you know, uh, I believe a great man once said, what the f is that? <laughs> Because he looks, I know they want to add some comedy to CNN, and this is hilarious. <laughs> but how do you report the news in that outfit? How do you actually talk about tragedy wearing that? Because what could be more tragic than that look he had this morning? <laughs> and could you put it back up? He looks like he went for, like, he's like a high school track teacher who went for a run and then got a little hungry and stopped at a restaurant, but it was too nice of a restaurant, and they said, sir, you have to wear a jacket. So he then, then he, he stole a jacket from an extra from Guys and Dolls. Anyway, Don, uh, you got a lot to answer for. Now let's point out, Mark, that Colbert's big producer, Chris Licht, left to become the president of CNN, and Chris Licht is the one who moved Don Lemon into the morning, so then they aired this takedown, and you have to say, whose idea was that? Is it Chris Lick trying to milk it? Uh, you could tell Lemon wasn't really happy about it. No, Lemon seemed very uncomfortable. He said, well, he didn't, you know, C Caitlin Collins, his co-host, kind of threw this in his face <laughs> and said, let's roll the tape of Colbert attacking you. And, you know, Colbert was pretty harsh. Uh, nice. We're not even going to say all the words, but he said, you know, at one point he said with respect to uh, Lemon's outfit, what the F is that? <laughs> uh, and, you know, what could be more tragic? How, how can Don report on tragic news when nothing could be more tragic than the outfit he was wearing? <laughs> so, I mean, that was pretty tough stuff. And, you know, you wonder, you know, when Chris Lick first took over as the head honcho on CNN, he said, he was wanting to move them back away from their hardline partisanship and back towards more hard news reporting. But just judging by Lemon's performance in the morning, he's still very much the same guy that he was at night with, you know, one here and there, there are occasional little blips where he tries to show some objectivity. But by and large, he's still a hardcore partisan left. Yeah, I think that this was always the joke was it's like you don't fix the partisan squealing branding of CNN by moving Don Lemon from night to morning. That, yeah. <laughs> he's I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the sound of the network is the same. Their tr obsession over Trump is the same. Uh, and you know, Lemon is the same. Now, it is clear that he has relaxed the wardrobe. I mean, he does a lot of mock turtlenecks and, uh, and this. And then this morning he was trying to tell you I'm wearing pink. Well, to most of us watching on our TVs, it looked like off-white at best. I wasn't really getting the pink hue. But, uh, yeah, he went on a, a long self-defense. Let's play a little of that. I don't know if I want to get into it. Because I was actually really surprised by it. Look, Stephen, uh, Stephen here's the thing. That I, wear, I make lots of different outfit choices, right? Yeah. And when I, when I took this job, uh, one of the things was, we want you to relax and be more comfortable and sort of go with what the what is happening in the world right now. People aren't wearing suits as much. Um, the, our lots has changed since uh, the pandemic, right? 
So I just found it interesting that there was such a reaction because online I got a lot of negative reaction. But hold on. So yeah, but that's online. Minute. You always get negative. I got a ne negative reaction. But I just want to say that a lot has changed. I understand more of how you feel when women talk about when they talk about women's skirts and women's outfits and their hair and their makeup or whatever. Women get scrutinized. Yeah, I never get scrutinized. Like. Men never get scrutinized. That's a really that good much. point. So um, I think that uh, have fun with comedy. I think if um, Barack Obama can get criticized for a tan suit, um, if Volodymyr Zelensky can fight a war in a hoodie, if Trayvon Martin can start a revolution in a hoodie, then Don Lemon can tell the news in a hooded sweater. I think John Fetterman wears a hoodie on Capitol Hill. If John Fetterman can become yeah, a, a senator or Congress, a senator in a hoodie, then Don Lemon can tell the news in a hoodie. The question is, would you wear it again? Of course. And then, Mark, I just thought it was kind of fun the way that Caitlin Collins was sort of like, good answer. Great point. Like, she's <laughs> clearly trying to sort of nurse his tender ego through this exercise. Uh, but it, it, it is one of those cases where you're, you're like, well, they want the notoriety. You know, they, they went viral and they want to exploit the viral. But yes, Don was certainly like, I did it on purpose. I put a lot of thought into it. I absolutely thought that he put a lot of thought in it. That yep. doesn't mean it was quality thought. <laughs> yeah, it was quality. yeah, no, I agree. It's people who, you know, I saw some of the Twitter feed of people commenting and say, oh, he must have just been in a hurry in the morning through the sun. No, he he absolutely, as you, I think you used the word, he's a fashionista. And, and he bragged on, on the air this morning about his vast wardrobe and he tries all sorts of different things. Okay, so the guy's a fashionista and this was a certain look. And, you know, if all publicity is good publicity, you know, it, it got them some eyes. Well, let's do, I got a couple of other little points I was going to bring up to you. The, you know, the, what was going on right around there when I noticed him with the hoodie, he, they had Alyssa Farah and Scott Jennings on, and they were talking about Santos. And, uh, and Alyssa Farah said, well, he's just a natural outgrowth of Trump. I, I, you know what? I think, obviously, Santos campaigned as a MAGA guy. But it, it, he sort of makes Trump look like a piker. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I've tried to say, Mark, that it's like I, I'm all for people making fun of Santos. I don't have any problem with the late night comedy people having a, a, a fun with him. I think where, and this is where I'm just a little bit of a Republican, I just resent the idea that they're all like, he has to go, he has to go. Scott Jennings on CNN was saying, let's get him out of there. And it's, you know, I think you know what's going on here on some level is the guy who had that seat, Tom Swosey, ran statewide and lost. It would be very easy for him to run in a special, take that seat back. So I just don't like the idea that this is some sort of, let's all shame Santos until he leaves so he can take that seat back for the Democrats. And I don't see them, you know, late night comedy didn't, well, maybe they made fun of Hank Johnson when he said Guam could tip over. But, you know, these, the Democrats have the, their embarrassments. And I suppose, well, even Biden, now they're sort of treating the document scandal just for old guy jokes instead of really having any outrage over it. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer a different take on it. I think Santa should go. I mean, you know, there there are liars and there are liars, but this I think his entire life is just one fabric of lies. And I think the guy is, you know, we we were psychoanalyzing before, so I'll put my Sigmund Freud hat back on and say this guy is deeply pathological and sick and disturbed 
And I, I, I'm sure we haven't even learned the last of all of his lies and deceptions. We don't even know what his actual name is. Um, <laughs> you know, the, and the latest one is that he he claimed his mother was in the South Tower of the World Trade Center, mm-hmm. where in fact she was uh, in Brazil at the time. Uh, so I think there's something deeply wrong with this guy, and I think he is an embarrassment to the Republican Party and to and to the Congress if if Congress can be embarrassed. So I I would like to see him go. I hope. That Republicans could hang on to the seat, but if they can't, they can't. But I just think he is a millstone around their neck, and there's just he he does need to go. So I'm with Scott Jennings on that. Well, I will agree with you, Mark, that truth matters, and lying is bad, and and uh, and his lying is epic. And so, yes, I wouldn't want to vote for someone like this, and I would especially after it was exposed that there was this much lying, I would feel as a voter that I had been ripped off. So I get all that. I guess this is just what I was trying to say was this is sort of my partisan hat. Uh, I don't like it when, when our Democrat media starts campaigning for whatever, as you said, well, this guy's an embarrassment to Republicans. So then they're like, okay, let's do 800 stories on him then. That's what what gets me. One other thing now, I don't know, people who who just read you on Newsbusters may not know this, but you, you fly planes. You just got a new plane? Yes, I did. I just got a new cute little, it's a light sport, but for those that are aviation aficionados, even though it's just a two-seater light sport, it is equipped to be instrument capable so i can still fly into the clouds with it and do sorts of all sorts of neat stuff and even though it's slower than my old plane it due to the design of it it is perfect for loading dog crates in and oh, yes. one of the things i like to do with my plane is dog rescue flights so i'm hmm. looking forward to resuming those that's nice and so this was my question pete Buttigieg. now we, we <laughs> you saw that we had this faa screw up and maybe it was explainable or whatever, but you still have to wonder. It's like, you know, as somebody who actually flies planes, I mean, did you have a reaction to sort yeah, of the problem so. we've had? Yeah, I woke up that morning and said, oh, my God, you know, the uh, the FAA has, you know, grounded all the planes. And I was I, I contacted some of my uh, pilot buddies to say, does this affect us small plane guys? Or I, and it looks like it was just the airlines that were grounded. We could have flown. But, uh, you know, what I think between... The meltdown over uh, the the NOTAMs, you know, the, of the FAA system breaking down, and then the whole uh, supply chain issue, uh, Buttigieg has really, you know, dropped the hoodie or dropped the ball. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, I think the conventional wisdom, and there might be something to it, is that he has damaged his prospects uh, for 2024, and if that means, you know, it it helps Kamala become the candidate, then maybe conservatives would welcome that alternative. Yeah, I mean, there were some people were taking objection to, I guess the New York Times did a story where they basically said, you know, after air debacles, you know, uh, the star of, uh, of Buttigieg is damaged or something, and everybody's like, star? Well, yeah, in Democrat circles, I mean, I, I'm sure that's, We'll all remember that what happened is Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar all suddenly got out when a certain Barack Obama started making calls saying, got to make a way for Joe. And so, you know, that's that's part of it. But, yeah, I, I, it's, it seems to me, Mark, when I watch the media coverage of Buttigieg, I mean, they 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 it's, it's a classic 
uh, approach where they treat him as the expert of all experts. It's very rare, and, and occasionally it happens, but it's very rare for them to say, why did your administration goof this up? Normally it's, explain to us the problem and how you, you will competently fix it. Right. And, you know, uh, mentioning, mentioning this, it sort of reminds me in terms of Scarborough's, um, you know, you talk about the field being cleared for Biden back in 2020. It reminds me that a week or two before the field was cleared and after Biden finished like fourth in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire, Joe went on. And I remember I blogged about it that day. He gave what really sounded like a eulogy for uh, Joe Biden's political life, his career, that essentially he was saying, it's over. You know, uh, Joe will be gone. He was a great guy. Uh, and then, you know, Clyburn stepped up and endorsed him in South Carolina, and he was off to the races. And Clyburn was on just yesterday. They were airing chunk of this on CNN. I guess it was an interview on CBSN where he said, Biden's done more for progressive legislation more than anybody since LBJ. And I thought, oh, my goodness, Clyburn's throwing Obama under the bus. <laughs> I mean, that's he's been extravagantly pro-Biden, and obviously he still is. But, uh, yeah, you, you remind me of this. There can be such things as premature eulogies. You'll recall back in 19, what was it, year uh, uh, 2007, I guess, where they were like, well, McCain's not going to make it. <laughs> right. In fact, yeah, I remember you. I used to listen to you, Hewitt's uh, podcast back at that time, and Hewitt was kind of going through the field. He said, I'm not even going to discuss McCain because McCain is obviously out of it. No chance. <laughs> this is why it's always, it's always, you know, when I go through these campaigns, I'm always like, uh, you don't get too cocky about your predictions. And certainly, you know, here in 2022, uh, I think both sides expected it to be worse for the Democrats than it was. And that's why on some level, even though they lost the House, they seemed very delighted by the result because it's so much better than what they expected. Uh, but I, you know, I think what's interesting about the way that the media has come around this week on the documents in the last two weeks is that they know these hearings that the House Republicans are going to throw are not going to be easy for Biden. So they've, I think that they're on some level, trying to prepare Biden for like, you better get on this and solve this. And they're all hoping somehow they get this behind them in a month or two. But I think we all know special counsels don't tend to go quickly. Yeah, the, the wheels of justice grind slowly but exceedingly fine. And uh, even Lemon had his one moment of objectivity about a week ago. He, was, he and Poppy Harlow were interviewing uh, Chuck Schumer and Schumer was annoyed that they kept on discussing Biden's <laughs> classified documents scandal. And he said, oh, you guys are just buzzing around about this. And and Lemon actually stepped up and said, no, we're not buzzing around. This is a serious issue. So, you know, once every blue moon. Yes. Well, th you know, again, fashion note, I watched that and I'm like, why does Schumer have to wear his glasses on his nose? I mean, it's one thing to do it on the Senate floor. He's on television, for heaven's sake. Is he going to read a speech to a Don Lemon? I that's his serious lawyer look. And speaking about people, you know, with the fashion look, I know we, we are just on audio today, but Tim will attest to the fact that in honor of Don Lemon's fashionista choice, I am also wearing a gray <laughs> hoodie with a little jacket over it uh, because I could use any fashion tips I can possibly get, believe me. Yeah, but you've got a hoodie and sort of a gym coat. True, because you know what? That matches. 
that's true. That's different. It's not. It's it's not like a a, a Brooks Brothers jacket on top of it. I can definitely state to you that if I showed up at one of these MRC galas and showed up with Brent Bozell wearing a hoodie and a suit coat, I'd probably be sent home. <laughs> it would not be well received. Uh, you know, he's a busy guy in gala night, so he probably wouldn't have seen me, but I would know not to wear that. So, well, no, thank you. The question is, what are you going to wear on the MRC cruise this summer? Well, you know, it's uh, usually there. you do wear your suit coats, but a lot of polo shirts, you know, you, you got to look relaxed. I mean, and, and, it's uh, it is great fun. Thanks for mentioning. Yes, yeah, so that's in June. It's coming up in June. It's this year. But we've, you know, it's been tough to have an MRC cruise in everything we've been through. But the, here we go, and and uh, we're excited about it. Uh, we just have to watch airfares now. Eee. So uh, you, great, great itinerary. If you want to uh, know more about that, it's at mrccruise.com. I am one of the speakers. I've been pleased on most of the cruises to be on board to to offer the sort of opinions you might get used to here on the podcast. I don't know if I'll have to switch it up. But, uh, you know, when you want to know what's going on in the news, that's when you come to Newsbusters. Once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for sharing. <laughs>